This is Franz. Welcome back to the Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. Ah, today's December 26th, no, 27th today, two days after Christmas. Salt Lake City is cold. You have to be careful when you're walking on the, on the sidewalk because some people clear their sidewalks very well and then other people don't. And where they haven't cleared their sidewalks of snow, it's now pure ice. In fact, it's safer to walk in the streets, which I'm going to do right now. I just left my house. I'm walking down to the office. I haven't done a walking podcast for quite a while. And part of the reason is I like to look at Google Earth while I'm doing my podcast so I can remember where I've been and what I did. I notice looking at a map jogs my memory quite a bit. But I'm going to do this ad hoc today without Google Earth in front of me. I'm going to address a couple of questions that listeners have had for me. One listener wrote in and asked about the podcast episode where Dave smashed his finger when he was closing the center hatch on the boat when we were going to go to shore in and we were in Poros, Greece at the time. And he asked, why didn't we take him to a doctor? Were we afraid of going to the doctor? And his comment was, he just went to a get-together or a conference or a meeting of potential blue water sailors. And a lot of the discussion centered around insurance and medical care and what were my thoughts on it. Well, Americans live in a cradle-to-grave society now. It's really a socialist society for the most part. We've lost our ability to take risks, and primarily the reason we're so afraid of medical care and medical coverage is it can bankrupt you. The cost of medicine in America has got out of hand and there's various reasons for it. I'm not smart enough to know the answers. But as a result of that, Americans are absolutely paranoid of having a medical problem and not having insurance coverage to cover it. My wife's a newborn intensive care nurse, and we see babies all the time come in and go out with a half a million dollar medical bill or at least several hundred thousand dollar medical bill before the kids even out of the hospital. So that's that's the issue, really. It's I don't know that it's a safety issue, it's a it's a economic issue. People are so afraid of being overrun with medical costs. Well my thoughts on it are I don't really worry about it that much. That's, I think, my ignorance is bliss. I don't worry about it. I travel. I don't have any special insurance when I travel. Some people won't leave home without a ticket home on a plane. I don't do that. I basically go travel, get on my boat, and come home. And knock on wood, I've never really had any problems. Now, I did ask Dave if he wanted to go to a doctor when we were in Greece, and he didn't want to. 
I don't think he was afraid of local doctors or concerned about the quality of the medical care in Greece. Uh, he didn't want to. And when he got home, he went straight to the doctor's office and uh, he had to have surgery on his finger. And uh, part of the reason he didn't want to do it is we pretty much had a schedule to keep. We needed to get to the island of Poros, so we needed to go to Kithnos, Seraphos, and then Poros, where they planned on catching a ferry back to Athens. Now, they could have caught a ferry back to Athens just as easily from Paros. But when I do lay out a schedule for the summer, I tell my friends and clients where they should plan on meeting me, but I always say that's subject to change depending on weather and other circumstances. So that wasn't enough of a reason not to go see a doctor but I left it up to him to make that decision. I didn't make that decision. Now, on the question of medical care in general, when I've been sailing, I really have only had a couple experiences. Years ago, when I had my boat in Malta, about a month or so earlier, I had actually gone to Canada because it was much cheaper at the time to have this procedure done in Canada to have LASIK surgery on my eyes. And the doctor was adamant that I needed to have my eyes looked at every so often to make sure that the lens wasn't moving and it was healing correctly. So the first time I had to actually go into a eye doctor was in Malta and so I found a physician in Malta and I went into him and he looked at my eye and it was fine and I asked him how much I owed him for it and I think it was around twenty dollars or twenty euros or something like that I'm sure in the States if I had gone to an ophthalmologist and walked in off the street my bill would have been many multiples of that $20 or 20 euros, whatever it was. In fact, he really hadn't planned on charging me anything until I said, well, what do I owe you for this? And then he came up with a random number. It wasn't an issue. Well, that's a problem with podcasting on the fly, walking. My battery went dead on me about six minutes into this podcast. So now I'm at the office trying to finish up this podcast now I've got to get my thoughts back. But let's continue on with that story and then we'll move into some other subjects. So in Malta, I paid this ophthalmologist for looking at my eye. And, and then we got on the boat and we sailed up to Sicily, Syracuse, Sicily. And we ended up being stuck in this port in Syracuse, Sicily uh, because a big storm had blown through. And I think I talked about this before. Uh, we were in Sicily and we were port bound because this storm was blowing very, very strong from the, from the west, from the northwest, which in reality was blowing us the direction we wanted to go, but it was such a strong wind that we delayed leaving. I've been in enough angry seas in my life that if I have a choice, I would just as soon wait for a better day. But we were running out of time, so we left Sicily, Syracuse, Sicily, and headed out. We reefed down to 
the smallest staysail we had, and we had the storm sail ready to go. And we were just going like gangbusters. The seas were pretty rough, but we were moving very, very nicely just under staysail alone, pretty much downwind where we needed to go. And I think the, the, it was, it actually was, uh, we had the three reefs in the main and the staysail up, and we were pretty much on a broad reach heading up towards the boot of Italy. Going like gangbusters, and about an hour out, the wind just died. No wind at all. We kept tuning back into the weather forecast. It was calling for gale force winds and storm force winds. I'm not sure if it was gale or storm force winds all day long, all night long. And we're sitting there looking around and saying, where are these winds they're talking about? We ended up having to motor all night long because the winds had died and got up to Italy and found a marina in Italy. We needed to refuel. There was no fuel. We ended up walking to town with jerry cans and bringing fuel back in jerry cans to the boat. And then we headed on over to Corfu, Greece, where Roger and, and Al, my crewmates that year, left. And I went to go see another doctor again. It was time to go see a ophthalmologist again. This time, my experience was a little different. After finding the hospital, I kept asking where I could find an ophthalmologist, and they said, well, just go to the hospital, go to the hospital. So I did. I found the hospital. The hospital, to me, felt like a, almost like a third world hospital, quite honestly. It was fairly dirty in the public spaces. It seemed quite disorganized. I was able to find an ophthalmologist, and he looked at my eye, and my eye was doing fine. And I don't even remember being able to pay anything at all. I think I tried to pay something, and they said, no, you can't. And I think it's because of the socialized medical system. I wouldn't say the care was third world, as far as I know. He looked at my eye, and he said it was fine. It's just that the the physical building and the cleanliness of the building in the public spaces seemed to be a little less than what I was used to in the States. As far as the medical care, my medical care was fine. And the doctor's office I actually went into was plenty clean. It wasn't, I think it was just the public spaces felt a little, a little dirty. But I don't worry about health care. I don't worry about medicine. A friend of mine is a, runs a company that places physicians overseas. He and I had lunch a couple of weeks ago and he had just gotten back from Singapore. And he said, Franz, you know, Singapore spends 7% of its gross domestic product on healthcare, and he visited three of the healthcare, health, three of the hospitals in Singapore, and he said the medical care was as good, if not better, than what he's seen in America. They're spending seven percent of their GDP, and the outcomes are greater, are better than worse we get in America when we're spending fifteen to twenty percent of our GDP on healthcare. So there's something wrong with the system. Something stinks. I don't know the answer. A friend of mine is working in Thailand. He works for a hotel near Phuket. And he told me this story of another co-worker. His co-worker had drank too much, got in his car, drove and caused an accident and injured some people. Now in America, if that happens, you may as well just bend over and kiss your bank account goodbye uh, because you're insurance rates are going to go through the roof. You're probably going to have to hire a lawyer to defend you in court. It's going to be very expensive. And my friend said he was worried about what was going to happen to him. Of course, he did the honorable thing. He made sure the ambulance came and took the people to the hospital, and he followed the 
the ambulance to the hospital and the police arrived and they said what happened and he told them and they said well you're going to have to stay here and you're going to have to wait until they come out of the operating room or whatever and apparently these weren't really serious injuries uh, they came out he was presented with a bill he paid the bill the bill was pretty insignificant and that was that but Americans live in a state of paranoia quite honestly we have a news media that makes us afraid of the world in general and we've lost a lot of the ability to think for ourselves and assess risks and take risks ourselves because I mean, I'll be quite honest, it's because we're afraid of the economic catastrophe that comes along with medical care in America. I don't know the solution to it. All right, on to another subject. In the last few podcasts, I talked about how I needed to replace my windlass, and I wasn't sure what was wrong with my windlass, whether it was the transmission on the windlass or whether it was the motor. Well, I'm stating here right now, Maxwell Windless has the worst customer service in the world. If I could find another company that made a decent windlass, I would do business with them. I'd made this bracket to go around my bowsprit. Spent quite a bit of money making the bracket. The bracket worked just fine. But I got over there. Well, let's back up a little bit. In preparing for the trip, I like to have all my ducks in a row. I like to have all alternatives, all possibilities taken care of, so I don't have to waste my time when I'm in a foreign country, without a car, without the the ability to communicate easily, and I like to have things ready. So before I went over, I said, okay, let's just assume that the motor is bad on the windlass, and I'll, so let's take a spare motor over with me. It looked to me like it was a matter of undoing a couple nuts on the w- the windlass and replacing the motor. So I called up a dealer in San Diego, a Maxwell windlass dealer in San Diego, and I told him the model of my existing Maxwell windlass on the boat. And I said, I want to take over a motor. I explained the situation to him. I said, I need to take over a motor. I need to make sure it is the right motor. So tell me what motor I need. He he looked it up in his books and catalogs and gave me the number of the motor I needed. He said, now, I don't have this motor in stock. You need to call up Maxwell on the East Coast, and I think it was in Florida that I called, and tell him you need this motor. Well, so I called up Maxwell, the distributor, the U.S. distributor on the East Coast, and told him the exact same information, the exact same scenario, told him the boat was in Turkey and I needed to make damn sure I took over the right motor. They looked up their catalog. They said, okay, this is the motor you're right. The dealer in in San Diego is correct. We'll send him the motor. You can buy the motor from him, and all's fine. Well, the motor came. It weighed about 40 pounds. It was a big sucker. Hauled it over to Turkey, and guess what? It was a wrong motor. Wasn't even close. Was not even close. Well, it turned out to be the transmission, and the transmission seals, the oil seals in the transmission had given out. Now, had I been in the States, I would have been able to fix that, repair that, make that work. But I was running out of time, so I said, okay, let's get a new windlass and just move on because time was a-wasting. Well, the boatyard, yacht lift in Bodrum, they're pretty good. I've, I've been pretty happy with their service. And so I went to the boatyard, the technical service man at the boatyard, and I said, I need a new windlass, I need a new Maxwell windlass. And he said, okay, let's pick it out from the catalog. And they picked it out, and they had a relationship with the distributor in Istanbul, and they said, uh, okay, uh, it should be here tomorrow. 
Well, it wasn't there the next day. They called the Maxwell distributor in Istanbul, and they had shipped it the wrong way, so it was going to take about three days to get down there. Well, okay, this is while the bowsprit was being made at the same time, so we took off and went traveling, visiting some of the historical Greek ruins that are located in Turkey. The best Greek ruins in the world are in Turkey, not in Greece. So I get back, and they've got this big box there for me, and it's supposedly the windlass. So we open up the box, and yes, it's the windlass, but the casing had had a crack in it, and there was no motor. There was no motor. So, of course, Yachtlift was embarrassed. The technical man at Yachtlift was embarrassed. He called up the dealer in Istanbul and said, what's going on here? You shipped me a windlass without the uh, without the motor. And, of course, oh, they made some excuse, and they promised to ship the next one down overnight, and it wasn't shipped overnight. It took another three days to ship it down. When it got there, it still was, it was, um, it was a correct windlass, but it had a tiny crack in the casing as well. I just said, forget it, I'll take it, because I was running out of time. Got it mounted, it works fine, but listen, folks, if you have any choice other than Maxwell to buy a windlass, unless the customer service is as bad as Maxwell, which I have a hard time under, how, seeing how it could be worse than Maxwell's service go that way. Their manuals leave a lot to be desired. Their manuals say you need to service your windlass every every year. You need to check the gear oil in the transmission, and it doesn't explain how to do it. And it looks to me like you actually have to take your windlass off and take it apart, and it's not made for do-it-yourselfers like me to do, it does not appear. It, it is a terrible service company, just terrible. The product's okay. Once you get it up and working, it's okay. But for the cost of these windlasses, you would expect them to last pretty much a lifetime, but they don't. I replaced my, I put my first electric windlass on in Malta, and now I've had to put another one on. Of course, it's been more than 10 years, but I'm only using it a little bit each day for for two months of the year. It's not like I'm using it every day. So I'm not, I'm not happy with Maxwell. They don't return calls. They don't have ways to contact them. Their dealers don't seem to really know what's going on. Take that with a grain of salt. I received a request to speak at Bonneville School of Sailing, and uh, I guess they heard about me through this podcast. Being in Utah, you don't expect to see a lot of other sailors, but we do really have a fairly active sailing group, at least out on the Great Salt Lake. But uh, Bonneville School of Sailing is down on Utah Lake. They have a winter seminar series where they invite different people to come in and talk starting in January 23rd and going out to March 6th. So to keep the dreams alive during the winter here in Utah. So I agreed to talk to him. I'll probably be talking on February 20th. And if you're in Utah, it's going to be at the Utah Lake State Park Visitor Center conference room from 7 to 8.30 in the evening. Done a few other presentations in the past. It's been quite a while. Trying to figure out what to talk about. How do you how do you compress 15 years of sailing in the Mediterranean into a half an hour? So I think I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over last summer's sailing, show a lot of slides, a lot of pictures of the places we visited last summer, talk about how I ended up starting to sail, give a quick introduction, get onto the summer sail, the pictures, and then open it up for questions at the end. I, I kind of like to talk. 
kind of like to give presentations. I remember when I was just starting out building my boat, this is the sort of thing that kept my juices flowing. And so it's not bad to pass it on. If you have a group that would like me to talk, to speak at, uh, if it can be arranged, I'll try to figure a way to do it. I've given a couple presentations at different yacht clubs in California in the past, and uh, a couple other clubs in Utah have given presentations. So if you're around, if you're in Utah, put it on your calendar. I just went to the Bonneville School of Sailing website, which is www.bonnevillesailing.com, and I noticed it's not posted yet. I called up the proprietor, the owner of the company, and I asked him, uh, why is it not on the website? He said, well, once we get all the dates filled in, we'll post it on the website. But the first one is supposed to be January 23rd. I would normally have picked that date, but I have a conflict that date, so I won't be able to do it on January 23rd. They've got, it's filled for January 30th, February 6th, and February 13th, and I think I picked the next one, February 20th. Actually, I wouldn't have picked February 20th because I've got a conflict on that date as well. So I think I picked February 27th, the last one. I'll have to double-check my calendar. I have uh, conflicts every, uh, well, I belong to a club in Utah. We have our club night on the third Thursday of every month, so I like to go to that. Well, I thought I would be able to get on to the last part of the last summer sales, this podcast, but we've gone on long enough. And I just want to get this up. And if you have comments, I do enjoy reading the notes. I did receive a couple nice letters from one listener. He was the one that asked me about Dave. And I do appreciate comments uh, about Dave and the medical care. And I do appreciate the comments I get from listeners. Like I say, I'm really concentrating on on another podcast right now that's geared for the financial professional to prepare for taking an examination to to work in the field. And that one is taking me a lot of time. I'm putting out content that people pay for. This is just done for fun. I don't expect to really make any money off the uh, Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm going to post, oh, I do want to point out, I did post. When I was in Crete last summer, I, I met a man who had written his own pilot for Crete. And he had a note on the marina bulletin board said hey if you want a copy of the crete pilot i wrote bring me a memory stick and i will download it to your memory stick in a pdf file and i took my memory stick over there i downloaded his crete pilot and i asked him if it would be okay if i put it on this website he gave me full permission to put it on the website it is up there if you plan on sailing in crete or if you know anybody that's from Crete and would like to add to it, his contact information is in the pilot. It's available for download at the website, www.series7podcast.com. Right now, I'm going through a lot of my photographs from last summer and getting ready for my presentation at the Bonneville School of Sailing. And I'm probably going to upload a bunch of those photos to the website. So if you're curious, you can go in there and look at the photos. I I like photos. www.medsailor.com. With that last little bit of information done, let's call it a day. And next time I do a podcast, I'm going to try to finish up last summer's sailing adventure. Thanks for listening.